Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me is my ever faithful co-host Sean Gray. Hello. And also alongside us is I was gonna say less faithful, but that seems like I'm casting <laughs> the worst kind of shade. <clears throat> I'm no adulterer, thank you very much. I <laughs> <laughs> apologize for suggesting such a thing. Um our very welcome guest. Is that a little bit better? Our yes, yes. Hyped that and excited suffice. to have <laughs> on the show it's alex mack uh, bonjour hello hello that is my <laughs> nod to the triple header coming up <laughs> oh, indeed yes it would have been better if you know austria had a language where hello did, didn't sound the same as english you know if it was had been spanish or something but still bonjour hello hello ah see so you- Sean and I know all about trying to translate phrases <laughs> in the local languages. I think that was, was that season two? I tried to do that for every race. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I, I basically translated Welcome Everybody to the Last Lap podcast into whatever the local language was of the others, which was fine for most of the European races, a little less yeah. so for places like China and Malaysia and Azerbaijan. Singapore. yeah. Well, Azerbaijan wasn't on the calendar, thankfully, so I, I skipped ah. that one. Um, <laughs> But Bahrain and Abu Dhabi weren't particularly great either. My 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 sort of Arabic was not was not of a good standard, shall we say? No. But probably better than my Chinese, I suspect. But good effort for trying. <laughs> Indeed, absolutely. Well, thankfully we're at Canada, so technically fifty percent of the time we can speak English. So that's that's yes. the, that's what I'm going for for the intro. Good plan. <laughs> so the climbs of Montreal beckoned back to the circuit de Gilles Villeneuve. Um, oh, I started speaking French. So see, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, a circuit that Sean and I have on many an occasion said is one of our favourites of the season. Um, I don't know if you're, you feel the same, Alex, that, that you look forward to Montreal. I do enjoy it because I'm not a huge fan of street circuits, but it's a bit of a half and half one, isn't it? So I, I enjoy that. And it's usually quite fun. It's like Albert Park, but with with sort of big long straights, really. Water that, and stuff. <laughs> yes. Well, technically, Albert Park has water. You, just, just, you don't ever yeah. see it because everywhere's lined by trees. It's uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this one felt like maybe it would have a river flowing Heineken to the side, much <laughs> like a Willy Wonka chocolate river, but just Heineken. <laughs> stream or something i am waiting (laughs) (laughs) i am waiting for the augmented reality that basically does turn the circuits into some kind of heineken beer beer willy wonka land of some kind yeah Uh, the the giant red stars (laughs) it was likened to mario kart which i thought was an excellent uh, representation it was just as well they were behind the stands rather than over the track but uh yeah Yeah. it's a bit of an odd use i didn't realize that it was um, wasn't there at first. Mm. At first, it seemed like it was like bridges or arches over, and then uh, my boyfriend pointed out, "No, that's not there. That's um, AI or something." Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll get into that. That was um, interesting. 
I still think the best use of the augmented reality they had was at um, Circuit of the Americas. Was it last year where they had the, the gigantic bird shadow that would occasionally cross the track? And everybody was just yes. like, what the hell is that? <laughs> this is like a, like a some... massive eagle from the Lord of the Rings <laughs> flying into, I don't yeah. know, probably save Kimi Raikkonen from having to walk back to the pits, I suspect, or whatever was going on. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, in- interesting stuff, interesting stuff. Certainly more yes. interesting than the race we ended up getting, sadly. <laughs> mm. um, has there been a worse Canadian Grand Prix, Sean? In, in... Uh, I mean, there might well have been, but um, I can't remember it. <laughs> I, am <famed. laughs> I am famed for my lack, of, uh, my lack of memory, to be fair. But uh, yeah, this was not good. Uh, this was not good in any way, shape or form. The only thing that I'm clutching to is that Ferrari managed to win and that Sebastian managed to... Um, repass Lewis in the in the championship. If, if Lewis had won this, I'd have been I'd have been inconsolable. I'd have, <laughs> I'd have had a terrible Grand Prix to watch, and Lewis had won. I'd have been I'd have been in a bad way for several days after it. So at least Sebastian <laughs> won, and I was able to at least say, well, you know, it was rubbish, but my guy won. So I was I could cling to that. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good at all, was it? And he won it fairly easily as well. It wasn't like it was close. Well, we it was it was one of those typical. I'd like I kind of call them David Croft races, where consistently throughout the thing, he talks up about all the things that are about to happen that are going to make this an incredibly interesting race that then never materialised. <laughs> yeah. So he talked endlessly about how all the tyres were just on the verge of falling off, and oh, we don't really know whether it's going to be a one-stop or a two-stop, and what's you know. Um, and in the end, it was exactly the race that everybody thought it was going to be. Everybody <laughs> ran exactly the same strategy, and everybody just sort of went, oh, okay then. Well, that's that then. Yeah, pretty much. But actually, the interesting leading up to the race, um, sorry to sort of take over. I'm not no, please to, go. Um, I'm just, you know, because the race, there's not a huge amount to talk about there, but <laughs> I'm sure we'll find some stuff. But in the week leading up, there was a few things that happened that I thought might be worth mentioning. One of them being um, Toro Rosso allegedly trying to poach Lando Norris uh, from McLaren to finish out the season instead of Brendan Hartley, mm. which made for some awkward interviews for Hartley. Um, I felt really uncomfortable watching it. I didn't want to hear him talk about that because that was so uncomfortable. But I don't know if it was actually ever confirmed that that happened or if it was just rumoured. I don't know if you guys well, McLaren, remember. McLaren released a statement, didn't they? Saying that they had... Yeah, it actually feels so long ago now. Rebuffed. So... Yeah, that's right. You assume it must... I don't know, unless it was some sort of an, some sort of elaborate ruse, but it uh, seems seems an odd thing to kind of do. Um, yeah. And Lana Norris was consistently saying um, he'd not heard anything about it, so it obviously not yeah. it never gotten as far as anybody seriously talking about it, which is not really all that surprising. Um, I guess no. I guess the interesting thing that that brings up is the state of Rebels' actual junior program at the moment. Mm, in, in that which they, you've talked about many times. Yeah, in that they don't have somebody ready to Step jump in. into the car. Um, mm. In fact, the person that they did have ready to jump in the car was um, sat in the Ferrari garage watching the race. This uh, this race out with with good old um, Danny Kvyat 
sat in his red overalls. Ah, yes, of course. <laughs> looking at the back of Sebastian Vettel's car and ruining the fact that he couldn't drive into the back of it with another one. Yeah, can torpedo him. Um, yeah, interesting. So I thought that's worth mentioning. And um, poor old Hartley, he actually was doing quite well. If I remember rightly, in Q1, he was in the top 10. Yeah. Yeah, very good qualifying yeah. for yeah, Brendan. and uh, it all went a bit wrong. And, well, I, I wonder uh, if that. I wonder if that. that. <laughs> just going to say, was is that a direct result? Do you think he went to the first corner and went, "This is what I think of your car." <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna post slide it down this sort of postage wide stamp, postage stamp wide gap by the side of Lance Stroll, and we'll uh, we'll see what you can put together when we when you drag it back to the pits. Um, he certainly wasn't. He certainly wasn't talking to anybody in the way back, was he, Sean? No, no. And I was going to say we might as well sit and analyse who um, who was at fault and things for that because it was about the only incident in the race we're talking about. So um, yeah, yeah. I mean, what did you think? Were you putting the blame on on Hartley for his inexperience and um, maybe not used to driving around that circuit, or do you think uh, Stroll should have given given um, a little bit more space? I think wasn't wasn't the analysis that immediately came after that Stroll had already had a had a, a puncture, um, and it was the it was the tire deflating that caused him to sort of veer so sharply to the left and basically put the squeeze on Hartley as opposed to him sort of taking up a line that that brought him into the side of um, of the, the Toro Rosso. Um, if that's the case, then it feels like we can more or less exonerate poor Lance of any blame. I, th- I think, I, <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> And I think even if it wasn't, it's such a weird place to attempt to make an overtake on the first lap that you almost couldn't blame him if he was just taking up a position to go for the because you you probably wouldn't be you know you'd be expecting to be looking behind at that point to see which way the guy is going to come into the corner to get the exit off of that because it's the it's the little straight after after they get round that the, the twisty bit, isn't it? So you'd be expecting that maybe if somebody was right hot on your heels, that's where you'd be looking and they wouldn't be going down that way. To be fair, he leaves the door open. But again, how much of that is because the car's, you know, not necessarily all under, you know, he can feel it going a bit weird. Um, so he's not going hard and fast onto the, the normal line he would take. It, it's, it's really difficult. I kind of feel sorry for Brendan because it looks like a very speculative move but there was a gap and had Lance stayed across they could have gone into the corner side by side but at that point they're going to have a crash anyway so it's I don't know it's difficult it probably wasn't sensible shall we say maybe but I can't I can't kind of bring myself to blame him for trying especially after as Alex has said you know there's this speculation he's not some racer yeah and 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 move and you know going back to that then do you think how long do you think he has left? Well, I guess to the end of the season now, do you isn't think he? He's going to see it out, or if they're if they're so desperate, they're attempting to try and grab quite possibly you know the hottest prospect in the in, in GP two from McLaren to replace him. The suggestion is that they've got nobody probably easier that they can go for. Everybody else of that is either of less caliber, you know. So their guy that they've got in GP3 or for Formula 3 or whatever series he, he's in, um, or they're genuinely looking around for somebody probably in another series or something like 
would you start looking at maybe a driver in Formula E? Would you look at maybe getting, you know, Jev or Buemi or um, would you try and poach somebody like uh, Felix Rosenquist, who's been doing very well in the championship? You could look at, um, uh, he's the Brazilian guy from Formula E, um, last year's champion, um, Degrassi, Lucas Degrassi. I mean, they're all people, uh, well, not Felix Rosenquist, but the, the other three all have Formula One experience and presumably could jump into a Toro Rosso and do a job. Um, of one sort or another, probably no worse than Brendan, you would have thought. But I guess it all fits around. So, I mean, you're probably not getting Jeff because he's going for the title. Um, same with Rosenquist. You might get Boemi, possibly. Um, but it'd be it's a bit of a climb down, isn't it, for them going back to a driver that they they got rid of God knows how many seasons and seats ago now. Um but he's just won Le Mans as well. So what can you say, really? He's clearly clearly a talented driver, you know, um, yeah. has won Formula E. Why, you know, he's definitely... He, he did a job with him and probably represents the closest you've got to somebody from Formula One who's recently gone from the sport who'd come back. Hmm. But then that Le Mans win could... Um have him in the sights of other teams, other people, potentially. I'm not sure. Um, but that the crash, like you were, you were saying, I watched it from a few angles. and It was actually from all the angles that you can see on, on Formula1.com. Um, I still find it quite hard to tell exactly what happened. And if, you're, if what you're saying is correct that Stroll already had a puncture, then I think, yeah, he couldn't really do anything. So not really either of their fault, racing instant. I sort of agree with that and um, feel a bit bad for Hartley, but, you know, he's not been really getting anywhere. So it's hard to to say if he's going to last. I think I said last time I was on here that he wouldn't be around for much longer and you rightly said but they've got no one else so and if they are trying to grasp for other people from other teams like Lando Norris it seems like they are trying to find some to replace him but they can't so it's really hard to say if he'll last the season or not it's not great PR for the team really is it no it's not it, it makes for, makes for awkward meetings and uh they're kind of reaping what they sow a little bit though, aren't they? For mm, all the all the true. drivers that they've turfed onto. Think of the think of the names they've turfed out in the last five to ten years who, you know, could have had a Formula One future, maybe not at the elite level, but certainly were all more than capable drivers. Like Buemi being a prime example, Jaime Algashwari being a prime example, you know, John Eric Verne being a prime example. There's a lot of good guys in there that they've went Oh, you're not. They basically went. Oh, you're not Sebastian Vettel. In that case, on you go. Just because they didn't turn up and were this prodigy guy, they were tough to the side when they were all more than mm. capable of doing a job. And now they're needing someone like that in the car who's just going to be a solid hand. And suddenly there's no one there. So, you know, it is kind of reap what you sow. Feel a bit bad for Brendan, but ultimately, I don't think he's good enough. So, here we are. Mm. 
Yeah, uh, I think he deserves... You've got to give him to the end of the season. Otherwise, it seems a bit pointless. You know, you might as well have gotten anybody in. You might as well have not bothered getting him out of, um, uh, you know, his endurance stuff. Yeah. Because he was doing he was doing well enough in those. So It feels, yeah. feels a bit Julian Palmer to me at this point, where I just... <laughs> It feels a little bit like no matter what now, I feel like yeah. he's kind of done. You know, we're tarnished, isn't yeah, it? Boy? You yeah. know, you know, like Palmer when in his last season at Rena, we were saying like way, you know, not even halfway through the season. It's like this guy has no future here. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing he could pretty much do at that point to recover the situation. Even if he went on a a really good run, even then it might not have been enough and, and and it feels like that with Hartley now even if he sees the end of the season I, I just I can't see how he's in Formula 1 next season and in the same way that you know Palmer had and and by the looks of things he's going to be fairly consistently outclassed by Gasly that's by unfortunate for him things, you know which but, makes it yeah kind of makes it even even harder you know if he was if he was racing somebody else who had you know as little experience as, as he did in comparatively to single seater then it's you know it it gives him a chance to sh- to shine potentially isn't it? Um, <clears throat> it's like we've been saying you know like we've been saying with a lot of the other the teammates sort of battles. You think about Perez and Ocon. If Ocon had been up against somebody else fairly new or fairly junior, then his then his performances whilst really good probably don't make people sit up and go oh that's really good because he's beating somebody else fairly junior. But because he's he's doing a good job against Perez, who everybody recognises mm-hmm. as whether you think he's a top top driver or just a good driver, he's still you know still recognised as being a very talented pilot. So, um, you know that's that's makes him shine more. Um, and Gasly has really been sort of he's doing well. I mean, going I'm just beyond a... what you would expect of a of a of a f- new Toro Rosso driver. Yeah, I'm just looking at the points now, and um, Gasly, or the gas man, as I like to call him, has <laughs> 18 points, and Hartley has one. So you see the difference between them in the same, in that Toro Rosso car after, what is it, seven races now? I think Hartley's also been fairly so. unlucky with, with some He's of his had some unlucky retirements and bits and pieces. For sure, for sure. It was a bit like, um, a bit like uh, Hulkenberg... And um, uh, um, mm, God, it's gone from my mind. Who is he? Who is his teammate in? Um, no, it was in the Force India, wasn't it? Uh, Hulkenberg versus Perez. Um, and everybody was saying that right. Perez was was kicking Hulkenberg's butt all over the place. But if you actually went back and looked at the results, you know, Hulkenberg had so many more retirements and so much poorer luck. Um, yeah. it, it's clear that you know you can't necessarily just judge by the points tally between the drivers. You have to look, kind of, yeah, look at the fair. races that they've had. Um, yeah, but even, even so, your your point is still to some extent quite valid because in the times where Gasly's not had good luck, Brendan hasn't taken his chance to score more points potentially. So, yeah, yeah, and remember that he took he took fourth in Bahrain, yes. I think, in the Toro Rosso, which was pretty amazing. <laughs> Um, and even if I, because I think that was, did both Red Bulls retire in that one? I forget, but um, he still probably would have had a sixth or something. Yeah. So, which was quite impressive. Actually, that was the one where uh, Ericsson came out with the points as well. That was the 
bizarre <laughs> yeah everything. most bizarre one yeah, yeah um but but still yeah so i guess i guess we're all sort of agreeing that we feel a bit bad for hartley but he's had plenty but not, of not time bad enough to, to save him not bad enough to slag him off but <laughs> we sorry am i allowed to say that no that's <laughs> um, fine, fine yeah but yeah we don't know if he's worthy of to keep trying because he's had a good few so he's had seven this season and he had what four or five last season i don't know and yeah fair enough few retirements a lot of things weren't his fault but will he last season don't know speaking of points tallies <laughs> uh, i mentioned this to sean when we met up in uh, in glasgow the other week charles leclerc or Charles yeah. Leclerc, is uh, now one point away. Uh, or he has he has thirteen points this season, I think, at this moment. Uh, Marcus Ericsson has fourteen points in his entire F one career. Whoa! Didn't know that. <laughs> so, uh, at this point in time, <laughs> Charles Leclerc is one point away from from beating from equaling every single point that uh, Marcus Ericsson has had in. Is it three seasons or more? Is it three or isn't it? Is it even four seasons? I'm not even sure now. Need to I'm off. not sure. But even if that was just two seasons, that is quite impressive. Um, in a Sauber. I mean, he's definitely been making the most of um, what, what that car is, is giving him. Um, he's been having some great battles with Alonso as well, especially he was battling him for a while in Canada. Five. Bef- Five years. Wow. <laughs> Caterham, wow. Salba, 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 Alfa Romeo, Salba. That's how long around he's been. He drove a Caterham. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so... <laughs> of those yeah, five seasons. credit for what he's achieved. <laughs> of those five seasons, only two of them he's actually scored any points in. So he scored nine points on his... Um, Oh God! No, that must be. I don't know if this is completely uh, completely up to date. This could be. But he scored he scored nine points in 2015 in his first year in Sauber, um, uh-huh. and then no points the next year, and no points the year after that. And he didn't. He obviously didn't score any points whilst he was driving for Caterham, which is, <laughs> you know, yeah, that 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 will be right that. because um, because Leclerc's only on ten, so that that mass would work. Yeah, that would leave Leclerc. Oh yeah, sorry, one, ten of them. Sorry, yeah. yeah, one behind. Yeah, so that, I don't know that, where I got thirteen points from. Just making that. That that that. that, that he's fourteenth yeah. in the standings at the moment. That's probably where you got the fourteen from. Oh yeah, that probably makes more sense. Yeah, so, so yeah, Ericsson's yeah. got two points this season, and Leclerc, in his rookie season, has ten after seven races, which is pretty <laughs> impressive. That's a good stat. <laughs> yeah. Also, the yeah. fact that Mar- uh, the fact the fact that Marcus Ericsson has been here for five seasons is, <laughs> is mm. some achievement in itself. Let's be honest. He must be coming <laughs> up for a hundred Grand Prix at some at some point soon. Like, so how, how many career starts has he had? I'm gonna have a because that a quick add up. Wow. You, you talk a, and I'll add up. That is a discussion in itself. The worst drivers <laughs> to have over a hundred Grand Prix starts. Because Marcus uh, Ericsson must be 
He's works. on eight. He is on eighty-three currently. Right, right. So by the end of the season, wow. he's going to have he's going to have a hundred Grand Prix starts. Then, right? The the day, <laughs> right? That's it. It's been decided. Whatever race Ericsson gets his hundredth start, we're doing we're doing half an hour on <laughs> the, worst, the, the worst drivers to have reached a hundred Grand Prix starts <laughs> in, in memory of, in honor of Marcus Ericsson because that is, a, <laughs> that is an excellent achievement. Don't say in memory of that. <laughs> <And, laughs> let's not wish death upon him. <laughs> <laughs> we don't dislike him that much <laughs> but no that that's funny that is and um just makes you wonder more about Leclerc and like people are talking about next year would Ferrari actually take that gamble I don't think they will but I still hope they do but I'd love it if they did yeah it would be it great it would just be a statement of intent you know yeah um and he can't do any worse than Raikkonen. I don't, like, I don't care how good or how not yeah. good Leclerc is. Like, he won't do any worse than Raikkonen. Raikkonen's getting the absolute bare minimum out of that car. Bare minimum. Yeah, yeah. It's true. You could pretty much stick anybody else on the grid with the possible exception of Marcus Ericsson and they would do <laughs> roughly roughly around the same job as Kimi. Like, any of the mid-pack yeah. guys, Hulkenberg, you know, Perez, any of these guys would all be able they to do what Kimi's do, doing yeah. right now. So you might as well take a chance on Leclerc. It would be great if they did, and I, um, I hope they do. I'd really like to see quite a mixed. Uh, and it would, it would just make you feel really sad. It makes you feel really sad for Fred Nazar, doesn't it? Who basically got two seasons in Formula One and um, outscored Ericsson in both seasons <laughs> and isn't the person <laughs> still in Formula One. Aww. In fact, there, there's there's your guy to take over Brendan Hartley's seat, actually, isn't it? Is it Fred yes. Nazar? Yeah. Yeah. What's he doing these days? Mm-hmm. Um, he is doing the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, European Le Mans season, and Stock Car Brazil. The Stock Car Brazil. Of Stock Car brilliant. Racing, as we wow. know. <laughs> that was just words to me. Yes. <laughs> I have no idea. Brilliantly, the team he's racing for in Stock Car Brazil is called Full Time Sports, which feels like somebody making up. <laughs> <laughs> badly for the fact that they're not really a full-time sport whatsoever he's only done one race for them as well which makes it even more more hilarious it sounds like he's doing the formula one equivalent of working the indies <laughs> yes the independent wrestling circuit is turning yeah. up for independent independent wrestling championship de brazil as a mass wrestler of some kind for, for, for two nights oh Less brilliant so. He scored 27 points in 2015, where Ericsson scored nine. <laughs> it's just like, when you look at the stats, it's like ridiculously unfair. He only scored two the next season, but Ericsson scored none. So just like, well, hang on a minute. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Ericsson is a pay driver, right? Or he's bringing some money to the team. It's a weird one. So when he joined Sauber, he came in with... Um, Weirdly, the name of his backer is Strongbow, but it isn't the cider people. It's an oh. investment firm. Um, it's not, or it, it might not even be Strongbow. It's something like that, but it always makes me think that he's is somehow. Thatcher's. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say Cornish Thatcher's investment management. Um, so yeah, so he came in with big backing from this this investment firm, who were then the people that then bought Salba. So basically, oh. his backers now own the team. Hence, the reason why his seat is pretty much secure. Unless, gotcha. presumably now, Ferrari could put more pressure on them to put another junior driver in. But 
given that Leclerc mm-hmm. seems to be the only one that they've got really any prospects for, Ericsson is probably safe for now until, I don't yeah. know, Ferrari buy it outright and turn it into a proper B team. But they don't need to at the moment. So there yeah, you go. Well, one, of, one of the guys, and I've forgotten exactly who it was, went to them last week as well, didn't they? Someone from Ferrari. Oh, I've totally forgotten. Sorry, that's rubbish. Oh, it was uh, the, uh, wasn't it one of their, their, of their um, tech- aero tech- guys? Oh, technical guys. Oh, aero rings a bell. Sorry, I should have looked this up and been more prepared, but definitely someone from Ferrari went to them. So it was just more of a, are they becoming a B team probably? <laughs> the only thing I really remember about the guys, they looked like the lead singer from um, uh, uh, Disturbed. <laughs> but without the big lip piercing thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't actually look at him, but I just read the headline. I saw, saw a photo and I was just like, oh, he's the lead singer of Disturb, isn't he? <laughs> That's what he's been doing since he, they released Down With The Sickness. He's been, been designing Aeropass for Ferrari. No wonder they've not been doing so well. Yeah, probably makes more money from, uh, from that though, you know, what with downloads and stuff these days. Possibly. Mm. Possibly. Yeah. Would you download a car? And <laughs> could you? I guess, guess has have, haven't they? They downloaded the Ferrari. Print one. Could you 3D print a car? I don't know. <laughs> you can 3D print anything. Yeah. <laughs> you can definitely 3D print a car. Be so That's probably the future, <laughs> actually. Yeah, yes. just, just pop out a, an exact replica of last year's car. Yeah, 3D printing car business, guys. I think we've, we're onto something. Can't be any worse uh, than the, the chassis that Delara builds. So, so um, what else happened in the Canadian Grand Prix? <laughs> oh, well, Perez and Sainz had a little touch, had a little smooch, uh, yeah. but they both blamed each other. And then everybody for, went. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't really anything. Uh, I mean, Lewis started ahead of Danny Ricardo and managed to finish behind him. Yeah, that was about it. <laughs> um, mm. How did that? Did Danny Rick pass him in the pit lane? Did he? Yeah, he just undercut him, I think, and, and managed I think to get ahead. That was it. I can't. Uh, didn't Verstappen Verstappen finished ahead of Ricardo, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But they yeah, just, yeah. They just the finished in qualifying order. Uh, the top yeah, three. sorry. Yeah, they finished the they Yeah. I, I guess the point is Hamilton finishing fifth. Fifth is the the big. Yeah, it's relevant to the title, you know. It meant allowed uh, Sebastian to close right up and I think go ahead now. Is he? Yes. Yeah, he's one point yeah. ahead. Yeah, ahead, one point, point ahead. ahead yeah. So going into the triple header. So mm. by the time within three weeks, we're going to have a real picture of where the title race is at. I think. Um, yeah, I think so. I'm excited can... for the triple header. I also think that it could result in a bit of burnout because three weeks in a row, it really is quite a lot not just in terms of physically and all, all the driving, but there's a lot of press commitments and everything. So it, it's pretty draining. So yeah, I'd like to point, yeah. see, yeah, I mean, I think I tweeted back in January that the triple header is going to result in at least one reserve driver at Silverstone. And I hope it's Lando Norris, but because I'm going, so I'd love to see that. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, my tickets arrived last week. I was so excited. And, um, uh, yeah, it probably won't happen. But I think by the end of... But by Silverstone, there could be some pretty drained drivers not performing at their best, and they might not do the triple header again, but we'll see. But I, I'm excited for three in a row. I'm not sure what you guys think. I think um, it makes me glad that I'm not 
a team member for one of the Formula One teams, having to spend yeah. probably three weeks of my life either stuck in a garage or stuck in the back of a van, or possibly, if you're lucky, flying from place to place, um, getting ever more jet lagged and away from the <laughs> from from GMT time, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean they're all European, so it's not too much with the with the jet lag but it's just a constantly on there's not really any going to be any days off so i think for france which we're are we wednesday now so that's in just a couple of days and so they're doing they're doing a live event in marseille like they did in london last year which i I went to that i don't know if you guys were there no no No, it was good it was fun but look fun it was but the um and I think all the drivers are there apart from so that he got a few boos, <laughs> which was funny. Um, that seems to but, happen every so often, all the yeah. drivers being somewhere and Lewis not being, you know. It's like, oh, I can't be bothered. Um, I need to take a break. Fair enough, but mm, it's, it is your home, Gormby, so <laughs> yeah, it's not going about that too much. But, it, but the live event, it was a lot of fun, but so I got in and I was waiting for my boyfriend and friends and I bought three three beers waiting for them and then they couldn't get in so I was stuck with three beers and no friends story of my life uh but it was still good fun. I, to be fair I'd take that rather than it being the other way around yeah yeah exactly yeah so it's fine so I had no, to drink no beer, I, had, no fun. I, had to, I had to drink three beers in the sun <laughs> on Trafalgar Square whilst listening to drivers and doing some loads of fun stuff it was such a first world problem, um, but but that but there's things like that, that they're starting to do now. So they've got one in France, so, and then they'll have uh, press stuff on Thursday and going straight into practice on Friday, but um, until race on Sunday, and then go straight to Austria. And I guess really you've got Monday, Tuesday to slightly recover, but not. Really, you're then sort of going straight back into things, which is fine when it's just two two in a row. But then to do it for the third week, I'd be surprised if it wasn't more draining than people were expecting. And I say that, you know, with a pinch of salt because, come on, they've got options. They've got four or five-star hotels, uh, masseuses and all, all that. But... I think I think three three is quite a lot to do, especially with all the commitments around it. So I wouldn't be surprised if by Silverstone drivers were quite tired and were starting to slip off a bit, which will make for a very interesting Silverstone. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, I think we, I, I I think it it's the it's a, it's one of Liberty's new experiments, really, isn't it? It, yeah. it? it will become part of whether they feel they can just chuck in more races as they feel. If the, if, if the form, if the teams can deal with three races in three weeks, then we'll probably get that twice a year, so that they can add in another mm. one or two Grand Prix um, on top of what they've Miami got now. In maybe. <laughs> yep. So that they don't have to move anything else around the calendar because everybody wants the spot that they've probably pretty much got. Um, uh, it, it will be interesting to see. I, I have a feeling that it probably in itself won't make as big a difference as we might hope. Uh, and mm. it's a, it's a weird set of sort of three Grand Prix to kind of have it for, um, in yeah. terms of the actual racing. You get something starting at 
at Paul oh. Reichard, yeah. which, well, thoughts on Paul Reichard, really, I guess? Excited about it? It's not a circuit I know an awful lot about, to be honest. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just going in kind of, you know, curious to see how it, how it goes. Um, I, in, my, in my Formula One lifetime, it's always been either Mangy Coeur or nothing for France. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go in with an open mind and hope we see some good racing, but I, I really don't know a lot about the circuit. Me neither. It's a test track, basically. So as far as I'm concerned, really, we're just getting a, a, a French Barcelona. Um, <laughs> Doesn't fill me with optimism. No. Say that, so. uh, and, that, and that's basically my, my thing. It's why I haven't been able to get really excited about the fact that we're going back for a French Grand Prix. Other than, like, yeah, we're going back for a French Grand Prix, but we're, we're not going to uh, Manicor, which wasn't necessarily the greatest track in the world, but uh, it at least had some interesting aspects to it. Whereas I don't think... Paul Rockard is going to offer up a treat, um, unfortunately. It's then followed by the Austrian Grand Prix, which is the weirdest circuit in a lot of ways on the Formula One ca- calendar, um, outside of you know somewhere like Baku or Monaco, which is which are complete anomalies, because it's so short, um, but is kind of still power dependent because it's got such long straights on it. But as we saw last year, the middle section. If you dial in the aero correct, it can actually make a massive difference with you know Alonso in the McLaren Honda being able to to sort of make good through that middle section and and get far enough ahead to stay away on the straights. So it's such an oddball track. And then as we say every year, Sean, don't we say it's hilarious that it's it's Red Bull's home track and the, the track that probably least <laughs> least suits their car. <laughs> uh, and then Silverstone, which is. The, the traditional racing circuit, but again, also kind of, it can, that's not always, not always the greatest for uh, overtaking, depending on how the cars, you know, set up there and the tires and all the other bits and pieces. So it's, it does feel like there's a potential that, you know, we've, we've chosen the wrong three Grand Prix to do in a row. I think you almost be better of sort of maybe doing like Hungary spa and then Monza. Yes. And then at least two two out of the three you know are going to be good. And Hungary can be really exciting, if unless it's really processional. It's a literal 50-50 <laughs> toss-up about how that Grand Prix goes. But do you know what I mean? You, you've chosen three races that have really good potential to give you good racing, whereas I feel like we've kind of chosen a right. random three Grand Prix just because they happen to be in the middle of the summertime. I, I agree. And um, I hope quite loudly shouted yes then when you said about Hungary Spa and Monza they would be a great uh, triple header actually so maybe that would be something for next year but uh, yeah I'm so interested in how this goes like they're not the most exciting tracks and um, as with Sean I'm not massively familiar with Paul Ricard so don't have a lot to comment on that but yeah it doesn't seem like the most exciting three in a row so so actually what i said before about you know driver burnout might be absolute rubbish because they're not that draining after all no i wouldn't i wouldn't see anything can happen it's true this is true i wouldn't have thought that that paul reichard and then um the red bull ring were are tough tracks but maybe that's why that's why they've chosen them they've chosen those two 
because the likelihood is that they're not going to be punishing ones followed by the British yeah. Grand Prix, which can can be. Um, yeah. You know, Again, depending on, on what the racing's like. So, um, if you're going to do, see, um, we should see an improved Mercedes at Paul Ricard. Um, there should be a new engine in the back of that. Oh yes. Think. Plus, we're, we're returning to the. Um, Canada. Yeah. Plus, we're returning so, to the the thin tread tires that um, they requested. Remember when they turned ooh. up in? Was it China? They turned, I can't remember which race it was. They turned up and they they requested them, and then they absolutely cakewalked it was it China? it must be china mustn't it i guess it wouldn't have been bahrain would it i don't know was it not I, barcelona? I can't remember. oh no maybe no you're right sorry you're absolutely right it was it was barcelona of course it was so, so yeah it, so we're going to have the same spec of tires at paul ricard as we had in barcelona is that what you're saying yes Just so for paul ricard or for there's the... one more race which i think is the british grand prix i think okay okay so what you're saying the blistering we, will be too hard. fancy Mercedes to have a good weekend this weekend then is that what you're thinking yes I I have a feeling that that's going to be the case I mean Lewis said at Canada he said quite clearly like we're down on power this weekend we probably aren't going to have the greatest weekend in the world and he was right so I mean yeah you would expect him to be a lot closer to to Sebastian this uh this time around although just just you know going, going back to Canada you know Lewis was still 14 seconds behind his teammate there and Bottas was only seven seconds behind behind Vettel then so what, what was, was there something specifically with Lewis's engine that was in a worse condition as Bottas's or was do you think Lewis was just not having his uh I just don't think he had a good weekend. weekend yeah it was just one of those one of those ones for Lewis you put in that well, yeah when, when he doesn't dial himself in the car in I think sometimes he he put like we've always said is he occasionally puts himself behind the the eight ball doesn't he where he, he sort of gets himself into position and then um doesn't quite manage to sort of fight his way out of it. And sometimes, you know, other times he can do it. So it's not like it's like every single time, but he just has races like this where he doesn't kind of get it dialed in and he never looked like it in free practice and he never looked like it in quality and he didn't ever look like it in the race. Um, I know the funnily enough, it's just, just those finishing times, Sean, just reminded me of, of course, about why that they look quite so large. Um, <laughs> Cause obviously we had the confusion around the ending of the race in Canada. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was about the next interesting thing. So we're at the first lap yes. crash. First lap <laughs> crash, 65 laps of Sebastian leading the way under no pressure whatsoever. Rosenstein's had a little touch, little kiss, but nothing much, but they both made a big deal about it. And then... And then... <laughs> check a <your> flag. <laughs> Not even on the right lap. (laughs) I know. Sorry, go on. No, you go. I was just going to say, I know um, Andrew spent about three or four days after the Canadian Grand Prix just um, arguing with people on Twitter about the the flag incident. So I've no doubt he'll have something to say about it. Oh, to be fair, I think at this point, I've pretty much said everything that I need to. The the basics were that everybody was saying, oh, what a stupid woman, glorified coat hanger. Why are they letting her do that? An F1 fan would kill to do that. I'd never make that mistake. I'd count every single lap. And it's just like, Mm. okay, let's let's break. She just did that. Hmm. Well, let's 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 let, let's break this break through all of these bits and pieces. Yeah. A, she didn't stand in the box from flag down <laughs> the end of the race. Okay. She went in from hearts out. Thing. Can we say from hearts out, not lights out? Because oh, we yeah. have barely touched on the Heine Canadian Grand Prix. But yes. still, 
Sorry, I'm um, trying to shoehorn those jokes in. <laughs> anyway. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so she, she started the race, clearly went back to whatever VIP area she was in because, as she said on the grid walk, she's not all that interested in Formula One. She's only that there because awkward. Lewis... Yeah. <laughs> a, do you know what? Uh-huh. I kind of had to applaud the fact that at least she was honest enough to say it. Like, you get people like yeah. Naomi Campbell and people, and maybe go on and... Who was was it? One of the tennis players talked to called the drivers players instead of drivers, <laughs> and you're just like, why did you even try? At yeah. least you went. I'm friends with Lewis Hamilton, and he invited me here. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm not going to say no, yeah. but I don't. You know, I'm not really here to watch the thing. I'm here to to schmooze, yeah, drink some mate. champagne, and you know what I mean. You know, watch my mate drink some free champagne. Um, but also that there was that whole extra 10 minutes on the grid or something wasn't there for this one i can't remember exactly but it, they introduced that extra cars will be oh. on the grid for an extra 10 minutes but it sort of meant that thinking was supposed that to be... people would get more time with drivers but it yeah meant that but they just legged it to have awkward conversations with celebrities that weren't interested so including winnie harlow yep um, who was very honest about why she was there to support her friend and wasn't that familiar with what was going on. Okay, so she's not been in the box. So she's not counted yeah. every single lap of the race. Okay? Absolutely not. And even if you not were an F1 fan and you and you got to stand in that that box, you wouldn't be counting the laps because you'd be just like, you'd be pant-wetting yourself about how close to the cars you were, being stood above them, watching them go down the straight at yep. $200 an hour and stuff like that. You wouldn't be just saying, nope. I am ticking off on my little checklist how many laps we've done so that I make sure that I rate, I've wa- waved the flag at exactly the right time. doesn't um, matter what the screen tells me. I've counted this many. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am the sole arbiter. Plus, she was handed the flag by a race mm-hmm. official who mm-hmm. checked with race control to say, is it all right if she waves the flag? Race control said yes. She waved the flag because she was told to wave the flag. Of course. <laughs> Didn't grab it off him and go, I see a red car. Wave! Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. She, she got, got annihilated on Twitter, and it, of course it wasn't her fault. She's gonna feel like an idiot. People were being brutal towards her. it. Totally wasn't her fault. I mean, as if she could just be let out there with a flag to do it. You know, it's it's like, come on, think about it, guys. Um, I I felt bad for her for, for that. Um, it was it was pretty awkward, but of course it was someone had to be there telling her yeah it's fine to do it and that person what must they be going through now do we think they still work for one well i think it's isn't it it's always one of these weird things that um that person is not necessarily the person that always does that job oh okay so what you i looked in this ages ago because it was interesting because somebody queried with me about when I, i suggested that it wasn't charlie whiting's job to do something and they said yes he is he's the race director he's he you know he's um yeah the race director i think um is it race director i can never remember his actual title but anyway his job is like race director but then there's the clerk of the course who actually organizes all of those bits and pieces and that person isn't necessarily the same it isn't the same person every race it's the person nominated by the course so the clerk Uh... of the course probably decides who you know who from the course sits in that box to do all the other bits and pieces, and what they were saying afterwards, title. Is, Clark, huh? Clark, Clark of the course. course. Oh, I love that title. It's pretty good, isn't it? Bye um, bye. Yeah. Um. So the chances are 
that the person who, who who was picked to do those bits and pieces was chosen by the clerk, of course, and was then told all the procedures and stuff by somebody from the FIA. So it's not like that guy does it every single race and has been doing it for the last yeah. six years. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not that's not I don't think how that job works. So when when we <laughs> see in in France, it won't be the same. Oh, yeah. guy with sunglasses on that we saw this time it will probably be some <laughs> suave clean shaven frenchman possibly yeah. possibly with or without onions wrapped around his neck i don't know whether that is a requirement to be french but um every british sketch show has told me it's it hard is, to say. So, yeah uh, it must be um we'll yeah so what they said afterwards was that they need to have better um discourse with these kind with those kind of people to get them to understand exactly what's going on because basically they were saying the guy thought that when it said uh, 69 of 70 when the cars crossed the line next that was the end of the race not that ah. they would be crossing for the 70th lap he would he thought that that meant that was the end of the race hence the reason why he asked the question simple and that's such an easy mistake to make realistically probably especially if it isn't something you're used to doing you know you're very excited yourself and all the other bits and pieces simple mistake you know uh, and all it cost was, I think Perez got demoted to 14th from 13th. Oh dear. Uh, and <laughs> well, <laughs> Ricardo... Checo, he'll be absolutely furious about yes, that. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and Ricardo lost his fastest lap to, to Max because he did his fastest lap on the last, on what he thought was the last lap, but in fact wasn't. It was in fact the cool down lap. <laughs> You're not going very cool on that. Although the look on his face when they told him that in the, in the paddock was absolutely priceless. Oh, although well, somebody said that it's terrible because he lost his bonus, and just like thinking, I'm pretty sure Daniel Ricciardo gets paid enough money that the, the, the fastest lap bonus doesn't make him, you know, lose sleep at night if he doesn't get it. I'm sure he'll be fine. You know, his, his, his house isn't being repossessed, and you know, his dog's not uh, yeah, being sent to the pound. Uh, you know, his um, Fat Haven Monaco is fine, I'm sure. Um, but question about that actually, because. I'm not as in tune with all the rules and stuff like that as you guys. I haven't been watching F1 for as long as you guys, only the last sort of few years, not a lifelong fan. But so why was the race result at lap 68 in that case? Is that, does it always get called the lap before? So, so um, I'm just curious because um, I, I, I genuinely don't know. It's because it, it's classified from one lap back from when you race when you wave the flag. So if you, it, it's kind of mm. like, is that the case with every race though? Uh, no, because if you normally finished on time, then everybody crosses then the you... line, and that is the finishing order when you cross the line. Unless you're a lap down, because then you get classified from where you were. That and that's why it can always get messy because yeah, potentially somebody thinking. who is a lap down on the, or, or would, is actually on their penultimate lap could overtake. But once the race is finished, it's, it's all sort of counted back from the, the finishing lap of... So you only get to... Like in Mario Kart, in a way, you only get to finish <laughs> if you're like within that sort of top 10 kind of sort of thing. And then everybody else that just goes, nope, you don't know. Whoever's in last place never actually gets to finish the race because they're so far behind. But... It, it, okay. When when they wave it early like that, it's classified from a lap back because you can't guarantee that everybody understood that that was the last lap. Do you I see what I mean? Especially see, as I think they yeah. waved it in the middle of the lap. They waved it when Raikkonen went past, not when Vettel went past. <laughs> That's even more stupid than if you so, Yeah, it's that. It's that. Because <laughs> I thought it was when I thought 
Vettel went past. Was it no, I'm, oh, I wow. am pretty sure it was when Raikkonen was coming around to the to the thing because he was so far <laughs> behind Lewis at that point. I think they thought he was the lead Ferrari, so they saw him come around and go, "Oh, wave the flag now, wave the flag now." So like Vettel was still one lap, but then half the field was still two laps. If you see what I mean, they were on lap yeah. sixty-eight. So they counted it back to the last full lap that everybody completed, which was oh lap sixty-eight. Oh my gosh. It is. It, it all gets really complicated when stuff like that happens. It's. It's. Yes. Yeah, it's, 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 it's usually when a red flag gets thrown, like in uh, yeah. Interlagos, two thousand and three. So when Fernando, yeah, Fernando finishes the race, despite despite his car being six million pieces across the middle of the. But I, I've road. never seen it. I've never seen it for a, a checkered flag being thrown too early. Like so, it's it's not it's, really. But uh, but, but I'm I'm just curious often. because I thought I thought the reason I thought it was when Vettel crossed the line was because he was on the radio saying about it. So I'm not sure how he, how that I'm happened. I'm pretty sure that, you know I think I mean? that was from he when was he look- came back around. No, he was looking at the screens, I think. Oh no, that was it. You were right. Absolutely. He said, they're waving the checkered flag. Yeah. Which must have been very odd to him being halfway around the track and thinking, thinking... I didn't see that when I crossed the line. <laughs> so uh, yeah, okay. that, that reinforces the point that Vettel must have crossed the line. And then they waited for the next, the next red car next. to come around. Yeah. Very, very odd. Um, and um, has happened it, once uh, before. Happened yeah. in it happened in China a f- couple of seasons ago, and they is did the same the thing. Pele where it, thing or no, 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 the Pele thing is back in the seventies, and okay. that one probably lo- most most likely was the fact that they just gave Pele the flag and just went, <laughs> "Do what you want, mate. You're Pele." Just something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Three laps in, sixteen laps in, whatever. When you're happy, finish the race, bud. Um, yeah. But yeah, it happened in China, and they did pretty much the same thing. I think it got counted back to it wasn't it wasn't actually the last lap. They they it wasn't the lap that they were on. They classified it to one lap back because it's the last one that they can confirm the placing of everybody on that one lap. And yet that day there was less of a controversy because it wasn't a model with a little interest yeah. in Formula One doing it. We should make it more controversial, shouldn't so, it? It so should be harder. For... Yeah, but yeah, yeah try telling that to the Twitter psychopaths that want yeah. to have a pop, you know. So. Poor Winnie, not her fault. Um, she liked uh, our tweets though, know, so I was she, I was just like, oh, well done. Yeah. Oh, well done. That's I was just like, oh, that's nice. International supermodel liking last lap Likes, podcast like, tweets. Very good. Happy, happy days. Yeah. Almost as good as guys, when Guido van, van der Gaard liked one of our tweets. So. <laughs> Guido Bantegaard. Absolutely. Highlight exactly. of my career. <laughs> I made something yeah. something meme worthy enough that Guido van der Gaard took notice. So amazing. But guys, <laughs> we've just we've we've talked through the whole race or we've talked around the whole race without Pretty mentioning much. without mentioning Alonso three hundred, which sadly ended in a DNF. I think that's probably why we haven't oh, mentioned it realistically. Yeah, <laughs> it always no, seems that whenever whenever F one makes a big song and dance about somebody reaching a milestone, they almost always have a completely crap race. Or if, yeah. if, if it's their last race in Formula One, they blatantly get taken out in the first corner. Like poor old David Coulthard in Brazil. They painted <laughs> his car a unique livery and all the other bits and pieces. He literally made it two corners into the race before being taken out. It's nice. just like, don't celebrate anything in Formula One. Don't celebrate yeah. milestones because it just, you know, you know you're not going to finish the race, basically. Let's not bother. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? But also, we didn't mention... Poor old Grosjean, come on, he's had a couple of rubbish races which were mostly his fault. <laughs> this one, he 
ran over a groundhog or something in oh, yes. practice and then didn't make it five meters out of the garage oh, before getting up in a plume of smoke. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I haven't seen an still... engine go like that for such a long time. It was quite a, quite pleasurable in a way. It was I was watching it go, what just happening? Was that was that him coming out for quality or was that for No, it was through practice, wasn't it actually? Sorry, yeah, no, you're right. It was through I practice three. Remember. But I sort of and was the, like, oh, I think it was even goodness. funny that Ericsson was behind him. Yes. <laughs> it's like, going yes. through that plume. Oh <laughs> gosh. So Brojan had a had a rubbish time, but this time well this well you you can't really uh can't really blame him for that. Um, so there's that Lonzo 300, no words needed, didn't happen. Um, and what else were we going to uh, mention? Um, the very Heineken Grand Prix, but anyone that watched it could see how very sponsored that <laughs> Grand Prix was. <laughs> that was crazy. Um, and well, the other thing I was going to say was um, around the the race, the the stuff that was going on around, around it. So, uh, sorry, Sean, I wanted to mention a few social media winners and losers. And unfortunately, Ferrari tweeted a picture <laughs> or video of Toronto instead of Montreal oh, ahead of the race. <laughs> so they they lose social media <laughs> for this week um and i have to say that bottas has a new dalmatian puppy so he wins social media because that trumps everything <laughs> and fair. Fair dues. Unfo- fair unfortunately dues. unfortunately he didn't name the puppy spotass i'm not oh, saying i'm not saying a, for, a, it, for a dalmatian i'm not saying that i tweeted him that mm-hmm. but i'm not not saying that okay <laughs> to be fair, though, that means when he ever goes into a vets, they'd have to say, "Can we have spot ass, spot ass, please?" And then, like, oh, no, <laughs> you'd have to admit that every single time. Everybody would just go, "No." Well, so that was disappointing. However, the name that he has, he and his wife have have given their puppy. I can't say on this show because it is a lady's name that is a little bit rude, um, and in in, in England. In America, it means bottom. So maybe oh, I think you, you can say I think you can say Fanny can, on this show when, can, when it's uh, when it's okay. somebody's name. Uh, okay, fine. fine. So, I think that's fine. Bottas has a Dalmatian puppy called Fanny, and it wins social media. I think if we're talking about Bottas's wife, then we know we can't have that. But if we're talking about the puppy, these puppy's name, that's all right. Yeah. Okay, so I had to do a social media winner after the Ferrari fail with Toronto, which they were promptly attacked on social media for. Since and given that they rarely tweet, that was a little awkward. Um, and I think, oh, the boat race. Williams won something. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been the longest I've ever gone on this show without more. Was actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so basically. We, I, I think they uh, deserve a mention for winning. Yes, well, it'll probably be the last time that we mention them winning anything this season, other than possibly yes. an award for worst performance of an F one team in exactly one history. Yeah, uh, 
or a former championship winning team, definitely. Well, I think that I think that takes us nicely to the end of this episode. We've talked, managed to talk about everything other than the Canadian Grand Prix, which is always a bad yeah. sign for any Grand Prix when we've had to talk about everything else other than the actual race. But we got there in the end. So thank you very much uh, for joining us. Uh, Alex, do you want to just let everybody know if they want to have a chat to you about anything you've brought up in the podcast where they can contact you? Uh, sure. I'm on Twitter at Alex Helen Mac, M-A-C. Uh, and that's it. I need to get better at doing those sign offs. <laughs> <laughs> you need to open more social media accounts, basically, so you can. Yeah. You can really yeah, that's it. Uh, and thank you, as always, to Sean for helping us uh, get through it all as manfully <laughs> as possible. Uh, yeah. F1 banter still to come, uh, and then we have three races in a row. <laughs> God knows what that's going to do to our recording schedule, so I would just keep an eye on the Twitter account uh, at Last Lap Podcast to see when we think we can actually get together to do a recording. You may end up having a triple header podcast at the same time. So uh, on that note, thank you very much for tuning in, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Merci. Danke. Thank you. <laughs>